A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Ruhl Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rilkens, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Conversations. All right, here we are uh, at IMAX 22, 20th anniversary of IMAX. And how awkward is it that we are sitting here in a live setting, recording on digital technology, looking each other in the whites of the eyes, where normally two screens are in between. Uh, welcome to the podcast today. Can we ask you to introduce yourself really briefly? Thank you, thank you. Yes, my name is uh, Sammy Hero, and uh, I work for a company called Remo. Excellent. Now, we spoke briefly before that Remo is actually one of the partners that helped us deliver the Wikimania event for Wikimedia Foundation. And uh, interestingly enough, your platform was one that they decided to choose at the time to scale how people at Wikimedia, who are very used to working online, uh, take an event that was supposed to take place in Bangkok and now all of a sudden had this event on the internet, right? The way that a lot of people have had this. Now, this is kind of strange because we're now in a live setting here in Frankfurt. Um, how does that make you feel? It actually makes me feel a little bit weird. Well, not so weird, in fact, because I was at the running remote event in Montreal a couple of weeks ago, hmm. which was actually more weird because it was a virtual event, essentially, in real life. Running remote. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it was all about remote work and hybrid workplace and so forth. Okay. So um, you were saying as a sales leader, you're seeing a lot of organizations and event owners that are currently questioning maybe the role of meetings and events and you know, how, how do things happen these days now that everybody's so used to using these technologies and now you know, the world is slowly opening up, depending where you are, to the opportunity of gathering in person again. Um, what, what kind of changes do you see in the questions that are reaching you at Remo with regards to events? I think the bigger one is, biggest one is that we, we talk more about meetings than events. Uh, the short term, I think everybody wants to do events in, in real life, in person, as, as we see now in Frankfurt. Everybody's excited to see each other again. Mm -hmm. uh, but when we talk about meetings, particularly in, inside the companies, uh, the biggest problem is that people have massive Zoom fatigue. You know, they've learned all kinds of tricks uh, on how to avoid being present. Yeah. I think the, the coolest uh, uh, hack I saw was uh, somebody recorded a 30-second video of themselves uh, shaking head, their head a little bit and smiling and moving, and they put Looping it as a it. background background video, and they left the, yeah. they left yeah. the event. So it's, it's quite crazy. I'm also amazed at how, how creativity restrictions make people very creative, right? I, I recently recorded myself bringing myself a cup of coffee as a background uh, stint to see people were paying attention. Um, and they're wondering if it's my twin brother. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I don't have a twin brother. I've got a brother who's two years older, but he lives quite far away from me. Um, technology and also these restrictions make us extremely creative. Do you feel that now that we are opening up back to a, a live setting, the way we're here in Hall 9, you know, we're looking out at the forest and the ocean and the canyon, uh, I see the Inspire Cafe, I see the MPI stand where we're doing a presentation about Event Canvas right now, my colleague Gurul is doing that. Um, 
how do you look at the way people design events and the kind of questions that ask that they're asking you as a vendor of a platform of things that connect people but at what stage do people connect you and how do you connect that to the original thinking of the event owner usually people come to us because they still need to do things uh, online and uh, and their primary problem is to to create the engagement and create the connections between people uh, so we because we don't do hybrid uh, and we obviously don't do anything in real life uh, so that, that, that is really our niche and we continue doing it. And we work with a lot of uh, really talented uh, uh, creators as well on working on, on, on the environment. So we, we try to make the online environment feel as much like a real, real life for, as possible. Yeah. So you're, I mean, what, what stood out to me from your platform, why, why I think also, um, uh, I think you know, the colleagues at Wikimedia Foundation, they have so much choice and options out there. I mean, yep. they, there's been an explosion of options for people to consider. Um, the emulation of the feeling of going to a specific seat at a table or this kind of, uh, you call it skeuomorphic almost environment. Um, you know, some would say, you know, Apple gave up on it, what, 10 years ago? Uh, and started like skinning everything down to a very flat layered kind of design. Do you think people craved it because of COVID or is this something that people will be craving in the future as well? I think people will be craving for it in the future as well. I think it's just an outcome of COVID, and uh, you know, it's, uh, it's it's very true. I looked at the G2, which is the review site. There are 203 vendors now in the virtual event space, wow. which is quite nuts. Yeah. Uh, and some of them are more metaverse than others. Yeah. Uh, but we also need to think about the inclusion and everything else. And so we can't design things that don't work for people who are visually impaired or some yeah. have hearing issues or something like that. Yeah. But there is. Interestingly enough, when we think about creativity in the online space or actually in the physical space, there's a, there are a couple of surveys that show that there's up to 3.2x uh, deeper innovation and, and ideas when you do it in a creative environment. Yeah. And obviously, it's a lot cheaper to create a creative virtual environment than creative real environment in an office space. Okay. Um, it does make me think. <laughs> it does make me think. Like. Um, I notice I'm very distracted just sitting here and looking into the room, right? We're, we're sitting at a table face-to-face -face on, on tall chairs. We have headsets on our head. Um, um, how, how do you see your own behavior change as a result of the experience we've had? You, know, you mentioned Zoom fatigue and you mentioned that obviously you must use your own platform regularly. Yep. Um, how, do you, how do you see... Um, the benefits of people being in their own environment, being able to participate in events. I think there is. Um, it, it, it's tough to keep the attention, and that's where, like, what we do internally for our events. We have uh, weekly town halls and a bunch of other events. We mm -hmm. we have our own virtual office, but then we surprise always people in our uh, town halls. So it's always different and there is always some sort of a quiz or a treasure hunt or something going on mm -hmm. uh, so that there is more motivation to going in there because it is incredibly tiring staring at the screen all day long and, yeah. Yeah. and unle until my dog comes to bug me, like she listens to the calls and when there's a break she comes and she's <laughs> like, okay, let's go for a walk now. <laughs> and she'll remind you of the basic needs that she totally even does. she has. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and we as people have the same thing, I think, you know, and when we look at our jobs to be done, you know, quadrants of one of the 14, uh, we tend to look at four different jobs to be done, right? When you're talking about events and behavior change, it's the basic needs you're just talking about that you know your dog has and you and I both have. 
if we drink too much water. Then we have the social needs, the emotional jobs to be done, and then we have the functional jobs to be done. So they're almost, you can categorize these things into various brackets. Do you feel that the ability or maybe the dexterity of people, you know, we'd, we'd, like to, we'd like to call that the digital dexterity has dramatically improved, so we've noticed. Mm -hmm. uh, we're one of the mural playmakers and, and use you know, those kind of you know, visual systems to collaborate online a lot. We tend to use Zoom a lot as yep. well. Um, because you get used to a certain system or you get used to a certain environment. You get used to a certain office. You get used to a certain microphone, to a certain headset, to a certain screen. The small habits you've built over time are going to influence the behavior you have over time. Um, do you see that people in, in your user group, let's say, are, are using almost this augmented platform beyond the normal office perpetually as well, beyond just the use of events or meetings, as, as you said, people yeah, call we, them? We keep asking that from our, our users constantly and consistently. Are, are, are we meeting expectations? Are we helping? Are we delivering value? Yeah, and I would say the people who were panic buying during the pandemic, uh, they are mostly gone. Okay. So the, the, you know, the types who are like calling us on Friday saying, I have a meeting tomorrow or Monday, give me something, panic. Yeah. help me. Um, those ones, they used us a few times and then they, they tend to go away or things happen in real life again, whatever. Then we have the people who really, when they change their behavior internally, and of course the pandemic lasted long enough that their lasting impact in that. I've traveled four times, uh, five, this is probably my fifth trip this year, and I'm getting pretty annoyed with it, to be honest. It's like I forgot how painful it is. How to travel. Yeah, figuring out the visas, and uh, if you go to Canada, you are not really welcome, even if it's business travel, until I pull my US passport, and then suddenly I'm welcome again. Uh, it, it, it is, it, it is not, it's not fun. So I, I'm, I'm envisioning that uh, after this initial rush, people will start kind of getting tired again. It's like, why, do, why did I spend six hours to go to this meeting again when I could have just done it from my office? So you become much more conscious, I think, of the way that you spend your time. Yeah, we value our time differently now, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually the core nugget of any design you use, right? In our view, you know, just the way that Joe Pine formulated that quite nicely in his book, The Experience Economy, um, it is really the concept of time. Is it time saved, you know, time wasted mm -hmm. uh, at the lowest uh, category? Or is it time, you know, well spent? Or is it time well invested? And unless we're able to design events to be time well invested or aim to get to that level, any type of gathering that is just time saved or time wasted is a cardinal sin in our view, right? So the only thing that people regret at the end of their life is not having spent more time on something and very often it's not about having spent more time on meetings um, unless the time that you spend at these meetings is time well invested, right? So I consider our time going to IMAX, which we've been going to for the past 20 editions, truth be told. Uh, IMAX has been very helpful in supporting us when we were developing this to provide the training for the Event Design Certificate Program over the years to sponsor that in multiple languages, you know, to really make this thing happen over and over again. To a degree where now the community is able to support using design for good as a concept that at the trade show we help design for not-for-profit organizations with the community that's been educated through part of the system of, of the platform. And I think what's so interesting is trying to find those, I would say it almost with IMAX it feels like a family feeling, you know, when mm -hmm. we get together with the people here. Um, 
we've been craving the connections with you know, our friends from, I'm just looking here at MPI and ICA and, and at IMAX and you know, the vendors that are cold contacts, right? Whether it's the RFPs or the emails or the WhatsApps or even the calls or the Zoom calls, but they're all ones and zeros. Yep. They haven't had the tactile experience of sitting across from each other on the table, looking in the whites of the eyes, which uh, also it's it's a little bit intimidating. <laughs> I can I can I don't know if people hear that in our voice, right? Sometimes when you don't have the picture, um, I wonder if you can sense that emotion. And I think one thing I've learned is that the quality of, for instance, audio is such a critical component. Um, and you can hear the background noises here. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people. I don't know. It's, maybe thousands of people mm -hmm. that are humming around in this place. Yet we can isolate the sound on our head using a headphone and a microphone um, to, to have focus in our conversation. Isn't that a fascinating thing where we're taking technology back into the live space to refocus conversation by suppressing a, a certain set of senses for the people listening to this podcast. Yeah, and also augmenting because obviously our eyes have much higher resolution than any webcam or screen. Yeah. So it's uh, you, you can you can read the body language differently. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. The experience uh, obviously it's uh, it's richer. Yeah. Yeah. Which also makes me think the design of our podcast table is completely wrong, <laughs> right? Because. Um, now I'm actually getting the zoom view, right? Because yep. I'm, I'm literally getting, you know, the uh, uh, the shoulder I shot. Should I should hold the frame around exactly, my, yeah. <laughs> my face. Yeah, that almost feels like we should have a little iPad holder in front of our face. But um, I think the full body expression that people have, how they stand, how they behave, is part of reading uh, the interaction, mm -hmm. right? And, and feeling a comfort level or beyond the comfort level. Um, I'm, I'm just fascinated by the options and. How at Remo do you guys think about the options beyond where we are today? Um, and how do you ease people into changing their habits to feel more comfortable in that space? Yeah, we're, we're talking a lot right now about, it's a terrible word, but uh, workshopification of meetings. Yeah. You know, in a sense that if you have 50 people or, or more, or God forbid you have three, 400 salespeople, and you're, you're going to just preach to them on Zoom and you know the Brady Bunch things. I want yeah. to see everybody's face, but I don't. It's all size of a stamp. Yeah. We're talking to everybody is like, yes, it's okay to do that for a few minutes, but then break it up. Don't do death by PowerPoint. Break it into small groups. It's a little bit like how Harvard Business Schools and others do the case-based learning. Yeah. Get people to work in small, small teams, maybe seven people mo at most, mm. and get them to engage properly and richly and exchange ideas. You can't hide when it's a small group. Yeah. And then, then, of course, you can bring it back to the group again, like a bit larger group. But it's like break it up, make it interesting, uh, yeah. make the environment conducive to new ideas and creativeness and, and not being too tired about it. It's funny, the number seven you mentioned um, is a Dunbar number that we found also to be the most effective group size to design events. Ah, interesting. Uh, so um, as you're looking over my shoulder behind us is yep. a a full printout of a mural of the event design project, designed for a good project we did for Right to Play uh, at IMAX Americas. And um, what you see is the output and post-its, which normally are put on paper you know, in a studio like we are right now, uh, but this can also be done digitally, which can also be super effective. Only the time slots are much shorter, mm -hmm. but the Dunbar number of people to really collaborate well together on analysis and contribution, also in terms of the number of speakers, listeners, contributors, seven is the ideal number. And we've challenged ourselves to figure out, is that number different in the live setting than it is in the online setting when you design? Um, and we found it to be fairly equal. 
Yeah, I would imagine so too, yeah. 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 The only difference is when you get to the point where we've defined the behavior changes in the delta and then start prototyping, in the rapid prototyping, what we've noticed is that really the, the best way to prototype is not in groups of seven, because then it becomes a negotiation, but to prototype in groups of two. Hmm. And then alternate the groups of two and the people that collaborate with each other, because in two there's no opting out. Yep, yep. Right? Two people need to stick together and they will have to follow the conversational ethics that people have when they have a conversation. Um, but by altering the groups very quickly, you get a very diverse set of inputs and very quick rapid prototypes. Now, a recent study came out by, um, I think it was Stanford University. I have a copy in my bag, uh, which I'm sure you may have read. And if not, I'll make sure that we add the link to the bottom of this yep. podcast so people can read it, which actually said that uh, online collaboration works fantastically well um, versus live collaboration for design thinking, for instance, um, but that it was particularly effective in decision making. So once you had a number of prototypes on the table, to cut to a decision online was actually an easier option than getting to a decision when you were offline. That's really interesting. Yeah. So there is hope for... Yeah. yeah you know, and if you think about it, you, you have uh, quick tools like polling or you can do some nice little voting. I remember using like little stickers in a meeting room, voting for ideas and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And it, it is Dot pretty. Democracy, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a little bit. But blind voting would be even better because you, yeah. you get to a group think in, in live setting Very quite easily. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the body language or the vocal domination. You know, with with online, there is no synchronous talking through mics and trying to listen to each other because it doesn't scale. Yeah. Right. The visual scales. You know, one to many, many to one, many to many works. With a microphone, it's one-to-many or one-to-one. There's no alternative. Mm -hmm. Many-to-one is not an option. Yeah, that becomes a chaos. Yeah, we, we've had some scenarios where somebody said, well, I, I want to see everybody or I want to have 50 people uh, around a table talking at the same time or, or being able to talk at least at the same time. And we're always shaking our heads. It's like, no, it's, uh, there is a limitation. And maybe 16 is something that could potentially work if you have good discipline in the meeting. Mm -hmm. But it quickly gets, somebody will dominate and, and then it just becomes a chaos and there's a little bit of latency somewhere. It, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we're still learning. I think, you know, overall we're still learning, but I think we're getting in a better place. Well, there's one thing I noticed uh, in this particular, you know, recording is that we have no better interface than our own face. Right? Yeah. Um, and the ability to, to use that to effect, but also the audio, because our listeners do not see our faces. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I think the fact that you have both available, also on a platform like Remo, uh, we saw it scale for this Wikimedia Foundation uh, event, uh, which is going to happen again. Uh, so the team uh, has reconfigured. Uh, actually, the, the one in charge, Joel Tan, uh, the strategist at Wikimedia Foundation for Events, uh, he has actually taken this year's edition of Wikimedia, Wikimania as his certified event designer project. Uh, so he went through ah, the so EDC cool. Level 3 yep. program. Year one we helped him and we consulted with him and his team to get him to the successful edition, which worked really well. In year two, he's the facilitator of the process. He's orchestrating his team. And to us, that's the ultimate proof that um, you can learn how to facilitate event design as long as you're not in love with your own idea of the outcome and you're open to the brain power of whoever's on your team. Um, and providing you have a, pr a proven and safe and reliable process that you can use over and over again to get to predictable multiple prototypes to then make a decision, 
together with whoever the stakeholders are in a specific hierarchy um, to decide what to do in the next edition. And, uh, I th so I think there's a lot of hope for all types of environments. Also two weeks ago we met for the first time live in Amsterdam. We had an incubator to assess our very own event design level 3 program and we invited Joel and seven other people uh, together in Amsterdam. We had a proper meal. Oh wow. We spent the whole day at the Postillon Hotel in Amsterdam um, to, to listen. To listen in a small group. We were a group of seven, eight, mm -hmm. I think. And we spent time falling out of love with the 36 cohort editions that we've in our view perfected to where it is today but allowed ourselves to put our baby on the table you know and allowed them to adopt and you know pull at its hairs and fingers and toenails and whatever it might be to kind of toy a little bit around with it um, and I think we all have to dare to do that not just with events of others but also with our own events. No, no, that, that, that's absolutely so true. It's, uh, I always tell my team is that I have lots of opinions, but they don't matter because <laughs> I, I, I'm super data driven. But you can't always find the data. You need, still need context and you need yeah. opinions and things like that. But, yeah. uh, but you have to be open enough to, uh, to just listen yeah. and listen to understand primarily. Yeah. Now, the auditors are listening to understand. If, if they're not at IMEX here, what would you recommend to our auditors or what sentiment do you bring? It's, it's the first day, it's uh, 11.35. Um, what, what, what have you felt so far being here at IMAX? I, I walked the, the other hall um, and it was, uh, my, my initial thing was like, whoa, holy smokes. It's like, there is a lot of money being put into this place and beautiful uh, uh, pavilions for the different countries and, yeah. and hotels. Um, no, I, I think it's, uh, it is a really good thing that that we still travel and we still go to places and uh, and I, I was listening to an interview from a core hotel CEO I think he was on CNN this morning actually or last night mm -hmm. and he was saying that he doesn't think that uh, all of business travel will come back which makes sense because he was kind of saying 75% probably comes back mm -hmm. but he was saying but there is this massive uh, pleasure travel that will come and that everybody needs to change slightly to uh, uh, to adjust to that as well and, yeah. and, I, and I think that's that's absolutely true it's like out of my now fifth trip uh, three were essentially uh, pleasure with my with my two girls yeah. you know yeah. to one to ski twice and the other one to the beach once uh, so um, you know they, they they all got uh, their share of what they wanted to do uh, so yeah so there there is a lot of that and it's all about experiences anyways our life is full of experiences and it's shared experience yeah absolutely right? it, it's like nobody ever in sales said oh my god remember that great uh, quarterly business review we had or, or that you know reviewing somebody's sales call no but they, they'll have some other memories of uh, working together and getting to great outcomes or closing a deal together with the boss or something like that and as you're talking about let's let's say this opportunity to have shared experiences um, my son is pacing around behind you who was actually joined for the very first time also at uh, IMAX here so cool he's about to head to university and this is an experience where we get to you know he gets to see what we do um, and I think this is part of what we are now you know there's a blending of how our lives kind of intertwine I think, yeah. which which is more okay or maybe it becomes more accepted I don't know no, yeah, I wonder. It, no, it, it has because during the pandemic, it's perfectly fine nowadays that your your dog jumps or your cat or your pet or your kid or somebody We're like okay that, that. Com comes in. Everybody's okay with that, <laughs> or the kid is screaming and uh, and he's like, okay, let's take a five minute break. You can go check out on the baby and uh, and then we'll continue when you're done. It, it's it, it 
it's something that I don't, and I'm a little older, so I'm a little bit more from the old hierarchical world. It's, uh, I don't think, people would have been like, what the hell, you know, just five years ago about something like that. It's yeah. like, oh, I need to break this meeting, I need to go home and, and see what's going on. So maybe we've become a little more human. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So maybe thanks to technology and cats and dogs and, and you know, babies and, and kids and, you know, our environment allows us to become ourselves a little bit more, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, it's okay not to be in a straight jacket every day. Um, uh, it's another thing I noticed, the dress code here at IMAX. I have no idea whether it's different from before, but it's something that I'm now thinking about. I'm looking out at the people walking past, like assessing, how do we, you know, have we really changed our behaviors? And uh, I think it's one of the things we need to explore. Uh, so keen to hear your feedback. Uh, thank you so much for being on our no, podcast thank you. this morning. Thank you for inviting me. It's, it's our absolute pleasure. And uh, next time, I, I, I will never look at a drum head in the same way again. Uh, we started our conversation. My brother is a drummer, and I, I can play his drums from time to time. But Remo is one of the skins that I know very well. But it's also now an interface that's become very familiar. Uh, having you know Wikimedia in that same very platform and possibly other events we've designed are using it too. So let us know how these case studies can be relevant to other people. And we look forward to collaborating now and into the future. Sounds fantastic. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Design to Change Designer Conversation Series. Explore these conversations and additional content at designtochange.online. Want more right now? Tune into the backstage episode of this conversation and hear what the experts discuss offstage. 